Good morning again, Lakeshore. We are so glad that you're with us today. We welcome our Smyrna campus. We're so glad you are with us. Those that are joining us online, we're glad you connected with us that way. Uh, we are excited today. It is, uh, uh, what are they calling it? There's some big sporting contest today. What is it? <laughs> Something happening. Super Bowl Sunday, right? Uh, for some of us, it's no big deal because of the teams that ended up being in there, but... It is still Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, let's see, how many, how many Rams fans do we have? Maybe you've not always been, but how many are pulling for the Rams today? Yeah, I see a lot of hands up. How many pulling for the Patriots today? I can't believe that. <laughs> Either way, if you are a true fan, you, what you try to do is have faith in your team, Right? Faith that your team is going to do well, going to play their best, they've prepared well, and the outcome is going to be good. If you pull for any athletic team, no matter what level they're on, it requires faith and hope to, to celebrate with excitement and anticipation ahead of time that they're going to win the game. In fact, almost all of life requires an element of faith, doesn't it? This morning, you got in your car. I'm assuming most of you drove here. And if you did, if you got in your car and started, out, as soon as you got out of your driveway, maybe even before then, you started acting on faith. And the faith was, we have lanes on our streets, and you're going to go down the lane you're supposed to be in, hopefully. That's what you're going to do. And your faith is that there are going to be other cars on the road when you're driving. And they're going to be going down their lane, aren't they? Hopefully. And, and they're going to be, a lot of them, coming the opposite direction from you. And every time you do that, you have to exercise some faith that they're not going to be crossing over into your lane and hitting you. It requires faith. And think about the people you're putting your faith in. The people that actually have driver's license in Tennessee. You're trusting that they're going to stay in their lane, that they can operate a motor vehicle well enough not to hit you going down the road. That requires extreme faith in some cases. But it's based on evidence and experience that you've done this some and they've done this some. You've gone through that process several times and so far it's worked the way it's supposed to work. And so you develop faith and it gets stronger the more you do it. Well, today we're beginning a series called By Faith. And, and it's a, really a study of the life of Abraham and the role that faith played in his life. Uh, it's recorded for us way back in the Old Testament, of course. He's an Old Testament patriarch, we call him. Uh, a father of the faith, he's often called. And sometimes when we say the name Abraham, and we, we even say Father Abraham, right? And, and we have great respect for Abraham. In fact, uh, three major religions in the world have great respect for Abraham as the father of their faith. Uh, we, we, he's the father of, of uh, uh, Islam, and he's the father of, Juda uh, 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 of Ju uh, Judaism, and he's the father of Christianity uh, through his descendants. And, and so three major faiths in, in our world Look up to Abraham with great honor and great respect. And the danger there is that we think of him as something other than just a normal, average human being. And what I want us to see as we go through this series is that Abraham was just a man 
but he was a man who stepped out in faith when God called him to do that. And then God did amazing things through his life. Here's the thing about faith. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, here's what it says about faith. That great faith chapter, here's what it says. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now this is important because he says without faith, what can you never ever do? You can never be pleasing to God without the faith that he's talking about here. But we look at Abraham and we think there's something different about Abraham. There's something set apart about him, totally different, where he could do things we can't do. No, he simply had what? Faith. And so God is saying to us through his word and through the example of Scripture that he wants his people to have faith. The Bible says walk by faith and not by sight. It's faith that, that is supposed to be the driving force of our lives. And, and when it says faith in Scripture, it's talking about faith in God and who God is and what God has done, what He is doing and what He will do in the future. We need to have faith in Him, not faith in ourselves. We, we try to build up individuals so much today, our children all the way up. You know, believe in yourself, believe in yourself. And, and I understand what we're trying to build up their confidence, but the problem is, ultimately, they need something greater than that in their lives. What we really need to be emphasizing is believe in God. Trust in Him. Have faith in Him and what He can do. Because no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, as we're going to see in the life of Abraham, no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, God is greater than the circumstances. We're not always, but God is. And that's why our faith needs to rest in Him and not in ourselves. Here's the other thing we're going to see in the life of Abraham. He was a man of faith, but he did not exercise his faith perfectly. He failed many times. Yes, he has a great legacy. Yes, he, he accomplished, God accomplished great things through him and his obedience. But he messed up a lot of times along the way. And it reminds us that even plain, ordinary human beings that mess up, if we hold on to our faith, God can still do great things through us. If we just don't let go of our faith, we come back to our faith when we have turned away from it. God can still redeem us and use us in great and powerful ways. So I hope that you'll be with us through this whole series. Uh, it goes on in Hebrews 11. It talks about by faith. Abraham did this, and he lists a lot of other people. And, and by faith, what God did through them. And then in verse 32, it says, What more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. And then it's what he, he gives us a list. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received their dead back, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. What a list, right, of all these things that were accomplished. And how were they accomplished? By what? Faith. Well, he's the same God today that he was in all of those circumstances that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. So what I believe 
is this, that if we can walk by faith, God can and will still do great things in our time, that he can use us to do those things. And the amazing thing is, is Jesus clarified it even more. He said, if you have faith, even as the grain of a mustard seed. Have any of you seen a mustard seed? Really seen a mustard? It's tiny. But he said, if you even have that much faith and you hold on to that, then you can say that mountain be moved and it'll be moved. And he's not saying we need to go around rearranging the geography of the earth. That's not what he's saying. The mountain represents obstacles and challenges and things that are going to be hard for us. He says, if you just, just hold on to that faith that you've got and you'll see God do great things in your life. So, so I want us to look at this together. We're going to be examining the role of faith in the life of Abraham. Now, Abraham was originally known as Abram. Uh, and we're going to look at Abram as he transitions into who we know now as Abraham. And we're going to look at the good, the bad and the ugly all the way through. Now, we're going to start out with a good thing. A good introduction to Abraham is found in Genesis chapter 12. If you want to be opening up your Bibles there, Genesis chapter 12. We'll put these verses up on the screen as well. The first thing we see about Abraham that should challenge us with our faith is, is this example that he set. He believed God's promise, even though it seemed impossible. He believed God's promise, even though it seemed to be an impossible thing that God was saying. Look in Genesis 12, beginning with verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and I will, bless, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Now, that's an amazing promise that God is making there. It involves several different elements. We're going to break that down a little bit. One of the elements that he said to Abram was this. Through your descendants, you are going to bless all nations around the world forever. Now, what's a little strange about that is that Abram's already considered to be kind of an old guy. His wife, Sarai, who was later known as Sarah, was already beyond childbearing years herself. And yet God says, through your descendants... The whole world is going to be blessed. They don't have any children yet. And she's well beyond the normal childbearing years. So we might think, well, even today with all of our technology and all of our advancements in science, you know, we still have some women maybe in their 40s having babies and it's still high risk, but it's been happening some and, and going pretty well with medical help and assistance. Maybe that could happen. She's not in her 40s. She's in her mid-70s. And God is saying, through your descendants, the whole world is going to be blessed. You see, it seemed impossible from a worldly perspective. I mean, just looking at it, medically speaking even, this just doesn't happen. This doesn't work well. This is not something that, that you would even want because of the high risk that would be involved with this, Right? And yet, God says, this is going to happen. This is my plan for you, Abram. For you and Sarai, this is my plan. This is what's going to happen. And Abraham believed God. Imagine that. 
Something that seems totally impossible. It's going to have this. Uh, in Romans 4, verse 18, here's what it says. Abraham is spoken of many times in the New Testament. In Romans 4, 18, it says this about Abraham. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. I, I love the way this is worded. Against all hope, Abraham believed in what? Hope. In hope he believed so that he became the father of many nations. You know what he's doing here? He's making the connection with believing God, trusting God, and having the promise fulfilled. You see the connection there? Because Abraham did have hope, did have faith, because he did believe what God was saying, then he was able to see the fulfillment of God's promise to him. The implication is, if you don't believe God, what do you miss out on? The fulfillment of the promises of God in your life. You see why faith is so important? See, without it, you're not going to see what God wants to do in your life. What He's even planned to do in your life. See, He's already planned in advance ways He wants to bless you and bless others through you. But it's going to require faith on your part. To see that lived out and played out and accomplished. It's going to take faith in my part. To see that in my life. And without faith you're not even pleasing to God. How are you going to enjoy the blessings of God when you're not even pleasing to God? You see how important faith is? Now the word translated faith in the Hebrew and then used uh, the Greek version of it in the New Testament. Uh, is a word that means uh, at the root of it it means to trust completely. The person or the statement or the idea. To have complete trust in it. And so he's saying, Abraham didn't just believe. We use the word belief so casually today. You know, like we believe something. We believe the information. But we don't really trust the information a lot of times. Even though we believe in it. Uh, it gets us in trouble a lot of times. We say we believe it. But we don't actually act like we believe it. I believe electricity will shock you. And sometimes I act like I don't believe it. Here's the thing about electricity. I love the benefits of it, but I don't really understand how it works very well. And I have believed that I had the power off sometimes to an outlet I was working on, when in fact it was not. But I believed it was, so I worked and acted as if it was and got knocked off a ladder a couple of times. So I'm stubborn that way. It didn't take me once. It took me twice, so. You see, there are two problems. You can believe without really putting your trust in it, or you can believe in the wrong things. Either one of those will cause problems, will cause hard consequences a lot of times. We could say we believe in God without truly trusting God the way God wants us to trust Him. In fact, it happens in churches all the time. We've got such an emphasis on, do you believe? Are you a believer? And, and almost... Anybody can say, well, yes, I believe. But like the video clip we saw, if he says to do something that you don't understand how in the world it could really happen, do you still do it? Because that's what it means to have faith. And the trust fall when he told her to fall backwards, away from him. You see, 
the world would say that won't work. You can't do that. But if you truly trust Jesus and he says to do that, what will you do? You'll fall back. That's what faith is in Scripture. And oftentimes what we call belief or faith is not at all what God is talking about in his word. We, we come way short of really believing the way Scripture teaches us to believe. And I'm convinced because of that, we are missing out on so many great things that God would want to do in us and through us. We're not seeing at all the, the full manifestation of the will and the work of God because of our lack of faith. We read Hebrews 11, we say, isn't that great, all those great things God did through all those great people, but they were just like us. Only they were willing to trust God beyond the level we are often willing to trust God. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9, it says this, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and do what? Keep his commandments. Did you see the connection there? If you believe God, you love God, what will that naturally cause you to do? Keep his commandments. You see, if you really trust what he's telling you, you'll be willing to abide by what he's telling you. That's what it means to have faith. And yet we've got churches full of people that claim to believe in God who aren't following his instructions for life. Who are willfully choosing to walk in a different path than what God would want them to be walking in. And then wondering why God isn't doing great things in their lives. Why they aren't seeing great results in their lives not experiencing the blessings that God wants for them in their lives but you see there's a disconnect there to say you believe and then not to obey is a total disconnect because if you believe scripturally it leads to obedience That's, those two things go together always God has made some amazing promises that required radical obedience against all hope uh, all through scripture think, think about Noah he was told to build an ark because a flood was coming there had never been a flood before and, and, and the ark he was supposed to build was huge and it was going to take years because it's just him and his family building it they had never seen or experienced anything like that before. Do you think it was easy for him to do that? No. But he said to Noah, I'm going to save you and your family from the flood if you build the ark. And Noah built an ark. And we say that so casually because we know the story. But think about the faith that it took to build that ark. When nobody else believed Noah, when he was preaching about the flood that was coming, the judgment of God that was coming on the earth, nobody believed it but him and his family. Yet he built the ark. He obeyed what God said. And God saved Noah and his family from the flood. Moses, God said, I'm going to deliver my people out of Egypt and slavery through you. And Moses tried everything he could to get out of it. 
I'm not a good speaker. God, maybe you need somebody else, right? He said, I stutter. I don't speak well. And yet I know people who stutter who have been great evangelists. God used them even in their weakness in great ways. And here God said, Moses, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to to deliver people from Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the most powerful leader on the earth at that time. Moses felt totally inadequate to lead his people. See, we think of Moses today as this great leader, right? He did not start out a great leader. In fact, he messed up early on in his life and murdered somebody. and had to go hide out for a long time. Yet God said, Moses, I'm picking you to lead my people out of slavery. He said to Joshua, Joshua, take your army and the people. I want you to march around the walls of Jericho. He probably thought, okay, great. This is some kind of battle plan God's got. We'll do that. But he said, no, all I want you to do is march around. He said, for six days, you march around at one time. On the seventh day, you march around seven times. And then here's what you do, Joshua. Don't attack. Blow the trumpets. Have, have, the, have the band play a tune, right? Yeah, blow, uh, and this tune's just trumpets. Just blow the trumpets after you've marched around the wall seven times. And I'll deliver this city into your hands. Jericho will be yours. Does that sound like a good battle plan to you from a worldly point of view? Does it make any sense that that would be the military strategy? What, what if our military leader today said, here's the way we're going to defeat Here's the way we're going to defeat the terrorist. We're just going to start marching around the United States, and then we're going to just blow trumpets at the end, and that's going to take care of it. I mean, we would think the military leaders blow, blow you know, they lost their mind. It's crazy. But what did Joshua do? He lined up the people, and he started marching around the city. Every day, just like God said. Then seven times on the last day, then they blew the trumpets, and what happened? The walls came down. It never happened before. But Joshua believed what God told him, and he did it. That's how you know he believed it, because he did it. David, he was just a shepherd boy. When God, through the prophet, told David, you are going to be the king of my people. A young shepherd boy is going to be king. None of the worldly leaders would have ever said, oh, David, he's the one, we'll pick him. But God said it. And what did God do? He kept his promise. David became king for his people. Gideon, another military effort. Gideon was told by God to take 300 of his army and to go against the Midianites and that he would have victory in the battle. Gideon had 300. He had them culled down to 300, right? Just the 300 best. He started out with more, but he said, no, no, we don't want them. We don't want them. We just want these 300. Take these 300. Everybody said this, this military leader is crazy because he, he needs all the help he can get. And he's, he's, he's ruling people out. He's going to just use 300. He's going to take 300 soldiers up against thousands in the military forces of the Midianites. God said, I'm going to give you victory. How do we know Gideon believed because he took 300 men and he went up against the Midianites and he won the battle. 
We know he believed because he did what God was telling him to do. And God kept his promise every single time. It goes on and on and on. He told Elijah that if he would pray, he would send rain. It had been three and a half years since it rained in the land. And he said, Elijah, go up on the mountain and build an altar and pray, and I'll send rain. Before that, he sent fire to consume the sacrifice, to show that he was God. And then he sent the rain that he promised he would send. How do we know Elijah believed? Because he went up there and prayed for rain. That's how we know. He obeyed. Naaman, this is a great story. Naaman was a great military leader too, a great leader among his people, highly respected, but he contracted leprosy, which in that culture was a death sentence, and it was something that, that he would be isolated from all the other people because of how contagious it would be. And, and yet God uh, sent a servant to Naaman and said, here's what you need to do. Go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times in the Jordan River. And, and the, the worldly mind said, oh, there are plenty of rivers over here where I am that are a lot cleaner than the Jordan. Why would I go over there? And dip in the Jordan River. But he finally listened and he went to the Jordan and he dipped not one time, not two times. How many times did he dip? Seven times. How many times did God say to dip? Seven times. He wasn't cured until he dipped which time? The seventh time. We know he believed because he obeyed specifically what God was telling him to do and that's when he saw the great work of God after he obeyed what God told him to do he told the Israelites he would send a savior and he kept that promise through Jesus Jesus said if you destroy this temple I will raise it again in three days and what did God do through Jesus he raised him on the third day you see God keeps his promises that's why the most logical thing to do is to trust God even when it seems humanly impossible that God's going to do what He says. And that's what faith is. It's believing God in such a way that you will do what He's saying even though the worldly mind would say that makes no sense at all. You still do it God's way. The way God says to do it. Here's the second thing about about his faith, Abraham's faith that we want to see. And that is, he obeyed God even when the future seemed uncertain. He obeyed God even when the future seemed uncertain. Look at verse 1 again. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will bless you into a great nation, and I will, uh, I will make you to a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. <laughs> Notice this. God said to Abram, I want you to take you, your wife, your kids, your family, and pick up from where you live now and move to a place I will show you. He didn't say, I want you to move to this place and give him the location. He didn't say, I've got all the arrangements made there. Everything will be good when you get He didn't say that. He just said, I want you to pick up everything and move to the place that I'm going to show you in the future. But go ahead and move now. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had gone home to Sue Ann and said, 
Honey, let's pack up everything we're moving. I know her first question would be, why and where? I would have said, well, God told me we need to move. Okay, where did he tell you we're going to move to? I don't know. I can assure you the next part of the conversation would not have been pleasant. My wife loves me, and she has a lot of confidence in me, but she knows sometimes I get wild ideas. And she probably would have said, now, are you sure that it was God talking to you? Right? Right? Uh, we want to be certain, and we're going to do something like this. You want to be sure this is God. You didn't eat bad pizza last night, did you, and have a wild dream or something, right? This, this is God. It would have taken some splaining, right, to, to do, to, to get her. Now, my wife has great faith, and if she was convinced it was God, then, yes, she would have joined with me in, in making the move, but it would not have been easy, would it? But Abram went just like the Lord told him. And he took his family with him. He was 75 years old. Now, moving's hard no matter what age you are, but uh, I think the older you get, the harder it is to move, isn't it? The more upsetting it is to your life to make a, a major change at a certain place. Not only was he 75, but he was well-established where he lived already. Well-respected and prosperous, had a good life where he was. But God says, no, I want you to pick up and move. And Abraham did it. That's how we know Abraham believed God because he acted and moved by faith because God told him to do it. He did it. He's, it says in Hebrews eleven eight, talking about this, he says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now, I've been in this situation a lot of times where I didn't know where I was going, but it wasn't by faith. It was by accident. Abraham did this on purpose because God told him to do it. So here's my question for us. Here's my question for you. How solid is your faith in uncertain times? It's easy to say, oh, I believe in God, I trust God, when everything is going just like you want it to go. That doesn't require much faith, does it? But what about this? What about someone who's been praying for a godly spouse, but nothing's happened? And I don't mean for a little while. You've been praying for a godly spouse for years, and nothing has happened. How does your faith hold up then? Or you're a couple that's been married for a while, you've been trying to have a child, but not having any luck. You see all these other people choosing to abort their children, and you can't have one, and you want one. How strong is your faith then? Or you've been trying to get out of debt. You decide, I want to honor God, I want to get out of debt, be more generous, and as soon as you make the decision, what happens? The water heater goes out, right? The alternator on the car goes out. Something happens, right? Have to spend money you weren't planning on spending. How strong is your faith then? You've been praying and asking God to give you a better job because you're so miserable at your workplace and there has been no job on the horizon. You're still stuck in that one that you just hate going to every day. How strong is your faith then when you don't see anything happening there? 
You've been praying that God would bless you and your family with good health and you or someone you love gets seriously ill. How strong is your faith then? You've been praying that God would bless your marriage and heal your marriage, but the healing doesn't come and the marriage falls apart. How certain and strong is your faith then? You prayed for those children and you've been raising them the best you could, trying to be a godly example, and they go off in rebellion. How strong is your faith then? You have a sudden unexpected death of your spouse. You had planned a whole life together. And now they're gone without any warning. How strong is your faith then? Here in Nashville, you move to Nashville thinking you're going to make it in the music business and everybody's told you how good you are, how talented you are. You've been playing in the local places. They've all said, you need to be in Nashville. That's the place. And you move there and you work hard and you try to make all the right connections and do all the right things and there's no record deal and there's no song that's picked up and there's no record label that, that brings you on and says we want to make a star out of you. You keep working hard and how strong is your faith when it just doesn't happen for you the way you thought it was going to happen? Because there's plenty of those stories here in Nashville. Some of them right here in our church family. See, that's when you know if you really believe or not. Not when it's going the way you want it to go, but when it's not going the way you wanted it to go at all. And all, everybody hearing the message today has some things in their lives that are not what you thought, that were not what you hoped for, that were not what you planned for. It was not the way you expected things to go, yet here you are. So how is your faith now? Because it was easy to say you believe when you thought it was going to work the way you wanted it to work. Abraham, it's amazing. He obeyed God even when the future was totally uncertain. He had no idea how all this was going to work when he picked up his family and decided to move. Well, there's one more thing I want to close with today. Abraham worshipped God even when his circumstances weren't perfect. He worshipped God even when his circumstances weren't perfect. You see, Abraham pre-move would have what we would call the American dream life. Prosperous, well-respected, family was well-respected, owned a lot of herds and land, had servants, all that good stuff, had a nice place to live. He picked up the move and everything changed. Now he has no land. He has only the supply of food and supplies that he could take with him when he left and he now has to live in tents him and his family none of the conveniences of their day of a of a home over a shelter over their heads he's he's living in tents now traveling across land that he doesn't know he's never been to before doesn't even know exactly what to prepare for you see it, it wasn't any fun from a worldly perspective, to pick up and do what Abraham was doing. And yet, he, in the middle of all of that, here's something else that happened. His, his father died halfway through the trip. Still hasn't even gotten halfway to where he was going. Took his father with him and his father dies. 
out there in some place that wasn't his home. He didn't have any of his extended family around him anymore, except Lot and his family. And, and here he is, and his father dies. And he doesn't even have the comfort of being at home and having all those people around him that were his friends and family. And then he gets to the area that God is taking him to. And what does he find there? Enemies are living in the land that God says, I'm going to give to you. And they're strong and they're powerful enemies that are already there. <laughs> you talk about circumstances that weren't exactly perfect. That's what Abraham found. Have any of you decided I'm going to give my life to Jesus and start following his plan for my life? And, and then, man, everything started happening that, that was kind of hard and bad and negative and things just didn't go well shortly after you made that decision. You see, that's where faith has to kick in. I'm convinced it doesn't take nearly as much faith to give your life to Jesus as it does to continue to follow Jesus. Because after you start following Jesus, you still have to deal with this world, this fallen, sinful world with the curse on it. And doing it with Jesus is better, but it's still not easy. And that's where you have to have your faith tested. Am I going to continue to trust God even when I find things going on, things happening, circumstances that just aren't perfect? But look at Genesis 12, again with verse 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. That's the enemy. That's the people who don't believe in his God at all and, and would not want him coming into their land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So building an altar there represents his honor and worship of God and, and thanking God for the promise that he made. Okay, Verse 8. From there he went on to the hills, uh, toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So what's he doing out there? Even though he's been able to see now, he, he's been able to spy out the land a little bit, see that there were enemies there, they were strong and powerful enemies. What's he still doing? Worshiping God with his life. He never stopped worshiping God, even when circumstances were not good. He's living in tents. He's been traveling a long time. He's lost his father on the way. Now he gets there to the edge of going into this land, and he sees all these enemies all in the land. And he still keeps worshiping God all the way through. Doesn't mean he was perfect, but he held on to his faith, and he continued to worship God. I hear people make excuses all the time. Yeah, I, I'm going to start really serving God and, and getting involved in the church when this happens, right? We've got the wins. We're going to do it. We've got good intentions. When the kids get in school, then I can really get more involved, right? Because they'll, they'll be, you know, I, I can serve some during the week because i got the kids in school now, right? It frees up some of my time. Then, then I can do some stuff at the church. But then... Uh, it's not when the kids get in school. Well, when they get in college, because then I can get them out of the house, right? Then I can really do some good things for the Lord. I can really start accomplishing some, some really important things for, for God's work in the kingdom. Or, or it's when they get out of the house completely, because sometimes when they get in college, they keep coming back, right? 
and bringing others with them. Uh, so then it's when they get out of the house. And even then, you got to be careful. you got to turn the room into something else so they can't come back, right? Move into a smaller place, to downsize or something where they, they can't come back. And, and then you say, hey, when I get that done, then I'll, I'll get involved and I'll serve the Lord. And then it's when, when I finish classes, I went back to school, when I get, get done with those classes, then I'll do it. Or when things slow down at work or when I retire or when I stop traveling so much after I retire or when we move to that, that house that we've been wanting to get and when we get settled in, when I start making more money, when I get out of debt, when I get in more into savings, when I get a little older when I get my act together then when I find the right church and the right preacher who's taller than Randy whatever (laughs) then I'm going to really start serving God when you know what God says in 1 Thessalonians 5 18 give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus He doesn't say give thanks for the circumstances. He says give thanks in all circumstances. He's not saying you give thanks that somebody you love died or give thanks that your kids are in rebellion. He doesn't say give thanks for that. He says give thanks in that circumstance. Give thanks because if you hold on to your faith, even as the grain of a mustard seed, God can do powerfully amazing things even in those bad circumstances. That's what faith is all about. And that's the example of Abraham. In 2 Corinthians 6, beginning with verse 1, he says this. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. When? I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. When should you step out in faith? now let's pray together father we thank you for the example of abraham that we've begun looking at today we can look at it with hindsight and see how all of those things that he did in obedience that you already had a plan and a purpose and you already had it all worked out but he couldn't see that ahead of time he was just a human like us yet in hope Even when the world would have said there is no reason to have it, he stepped out and obeyed. He demonstrated his faith. And you proved worthy of that faith. Father, help us to trust you like that. And if there's anybody here today that needs to to step out in faith and, and, and allow you to have your will and your plan and your purpose for their lives, I pray this would be the day they they willingly take that step. Not just to say they believe, but to connect that belief with their obedience. Thank you, Father, for always keeping your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.